Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to The Voice of the Shepherd. I'm Dina Marie Hale, your host, and with me in studio is Archbishop Alexander Sample. And in this week's program, we're going to talk about the joy of the priesthood, the joy of the Eucharist, and the joy of celebrating Holy Mass and receiving Jesus Christ truly present in the Holy Eucharist. Archbishop, it's great to have you with us today. And before we begin on such a joyful topic, the most important topic is the Holy Eucharist. Please lead us in prayer. Yes, indeed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, you gave us the Eucharist as a memorial of your suffering and death. May our worship of this sacrament of your body and blood help us to experience the salvation you won for us and the peace of the kingdom where you live and reign forever and ever. Amen. Holy Mary, our hope, Mother of the Eucharist. Pray for us. St. Joseph. Pray for us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, so many joyful things to share about. <laughs> and, and I think talking about the ordination and just reflecting on the joy of welcoming two new priests to the Archdiocese of Portland reminds us why we gather as Catholics, and that is truly to celebrate the Lord's Supper, to celebrate the sacrifice of the Lamb. And just a little bit of your reflection on being there with those two men, Father Galati, Father Huang, and to see that transition of the identity of the priesthood. Yes, I, I just, you know, I, I couldn't be more filled with joy on the occasion of an ordination. You know, really, and I, I think I said this, I, I believe, at the, maybe at the beginning of the homily, you know, there, there, there's, I don't think there's anything a bishop looks forward to more than, than ordinations of priests. Because, you know, it's, it's, that, it's that sacramental power that a bishop has to lay hands on the head of another man and through the prayer of consecration, sacramentally configure that man to Jesus Christ, the eternal priest, to make a new priest for Christ's church forever, mm-hmm. a priest forever, you, to, to give a priest to the church through holy ordination. I don't know. I just, I, my, my, I'm always on cloud nine <laughs> <laughs> on ordination day, truly. And, and for these two men... Uh, you know, uh, it's it's interesting because Father Wong, Father Randy Wong, is now the the last priest that I will ordain for the Archdiocese of Portland that Archbishop Vlasny, my predecessor, accepted into the seminary. From now on, every man that I will ordain now going forward will be a man that I had the privilege of accepting into uh, the seminary. So it, for me, it kind of marked a little mm-hmm. bit of a, a transition point, a, a, a sense of feeling much more rooted really here. And and these two men are so different. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. and the reason, you know, Father Wang, you know, came right out of high school, <laughs> young guy, we call him a lifer. You know, he, he came right out of high school, went into the seminary, did his pastoral year, and now he's a priest of Jesus Christ. Whereas Father Galati... Uh, was a, was a, a later vocation in mm-hmm. life, 
you know, uh, he, he's, he's, he's older than me. <laughs> he already had a lot of life experience yeah. before going to the seminary. So he had these two very different contrasting stories, if you will. One young man who felt the call and went right out of high school. Another man who probably felt the call mm-hmm. at, at a time or so in his life, but, you know, delayed it. Uh, and, and now he's, 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 a, he's a priest now. And two different cultures, you know, Father right. Galati, you know, uh, part of the Anglo culture, you know, coming from an Italian, Italian. family, very <laughs> Italian right. family. Uh, I love his dad, uh, <laughs> who I got to greet at the ordination. And then Father Wang, you know, part of our beautiful, strong Vietnamese community mm-hmm. out of Our Lady of Lavang. So, yeah, just a, just a, uh, I mean, you can always, on an ordination day, you can just always feel the joy and the excitement in the church uh, at, at two new priests in service at Christ Church. Yeah. And Archbishop, I had the pleasure of being there at that ordination and just to see the joy. But when you had mentioned, you know, we think about what the priest does, Mm -hmm. but it's really who the Mm -hmm. priest is and the identity. And I looked around the cathedral and I saw all of these priests and I was overwhelmed. This is the love. It comes because God loves us so much that he gives us the priesthood in these few men who are ordained to the priesthood. It's that's a significant thing for us. Yeah, well, I, that you know, that's what I I I preach that theme with some regularity because I don't think people think properly about the priesthood. Mm-hmm. I th- do think people tend to focus more on the activities of the priest, what mm-hmm. the priest does, which, as I said in the homily, <laughs> they're, they're all very important. Yeah, uh, but it isn't. It isn't first of all about what a priest does in his ministry, but who he is, because everything he does flows from who he is. As that man who is now sacramentally configured to Christ, the high priest, he has received the sacramental character of ordination. His soul is forever marked. He is forever changed. Even even sadly, when a priest walks away from priestly ministry, he's he's we call laicized. He's reduced to the lay state again. But he remains a priest, mm-hmm. and in an emergency, he can still minister the sacraments. So, you you, you know, it, it, there's an identity of the priest that needs to be first understood, that this is the one who represents Christ. He acts in the very person of Christ, especially in the sacraments, but also when he teaches and when he shepherds uh, the people. So I, I really think it's important to have a proper understanding of the identity of the priest, who he is. As, so that we understand everything he does flows from that essential priestly identity. Mm-hmm. And then that through our whole lives, from birth to death, really, that priest is significant in baptism, in our receiving of first uh, Holy Eucharist, in confirmation, if we uh, become married, holy matrimony, and and the last rites, you know, mm-hmm. that viaticum that we have, that's Jesus's presence that's right. through our entire life. That's right. You know, and I think that I, and that's why I am, I am very much in favor and I know it's frustrating for me and I know it's frustrating for our people as well. Uh, I'm very much in favor of stability in parish uh, life and parish assignments. I like to see priests stay in an assignment for a good long time. Uh, even to finish out two full terms uh, for maybe a total of 12 years or sometimes more. But I, I, and I'm not really wedded to those terms because I think as you're pointing out, Dina Marie, there's a relationship you build with a priest over time. 
you know, when that priest that baptizes you is becomes the one who gives you first Holy Communion and hears your first confession and, and maybe is present there uh, when you are confirmed, and maybe if you, if you have the vocation to marriage, maybe even it witnesses your marriage. Or if you become a priest, is, is maybe there laying, helping lay hands on you on the day of your priestly. Those connections, I think, are very important. But whoever the priest is, even if the priest changes, the one who ministers in the priest is always the same, and that is Jesus Christ ministering in the priest. I, I, I gave that beautiful quote at the ordination homily from St. John Vianney. Mm-hmm. That St. John Vianney famously said that the priesthood is the love of the heart of Jesus. The priesthood is the love of the heart of Jesus. And so St. John Vianney said, when you see a priest, you should think of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I think that, uh, so any of you uh, men out there, young men, boys who might be listening uh, please be open, mm-hmm. be open, dear young men, to what God might be asking of you. Maybe God is calling you to minister to his people in this very special, special way. He might be calling you. Uh, if you're listening right now out there and you're feeling a little stirring in your heart right now, in your soul, brother, that's the Holy Spirit talking to you right now. Pay attention. Uh, I'd love to I'd love to talk to you or have our vocation director talk to you. Absolutely, absolutely. And the reason why we have that love is to have that encounter with Jesus Christ. The most intimate way that I can think of that is through the celebration of the Mass and Holy Eucharist. Uh, And, And you've been talking so strongly and so beautifully over these last few months about the importance Mm -hmm. as we are Catholics to receive Holy Eucharist as often as possible. But now with this beautiful transition of restrictions being lifted, Mm -hmm. uh, you are going to be very soon returning us back to the full obligation to celebrate the Holy Eucharist. Right, and and I would really encourage our listeners, if you haven't already had a chance to read it, um, yes, I am am rescinding the um, dispensation from uh, the Sunday Mass obligation and, and on Holy Days of Obligation, um, effective Ju- uh, July 16th. Of, well, it, but the Sunday of the 16th mm-hmm. will be the first Sunday that's affected by uh, having the dispensation removed. But I wrote a pastoral message to the people of God in Western Oregon uh, to accompany that, that, that formal canonical act of, of removing the dispensation uh, called uh, the, the Church Draws Her Life from the Eucharist. And what I'm really talking about in that pastoral message is the centrality and the importance of Holy Mass and the Holy Eucharist in the life of the disciple of Jesus Christ, the Catholic uh, disciple of Christ. And that, you know, I, I make the statement in there that this really isn't about obligations and dispensations. You know, I, listen, I'm a canon lawyer, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm a canon lawyer, a church lawyer by training. So I have a great love and a great appreciation for the importance of the law of the church, which governs our, our community in the church and keeps us united as one. But I do, even as a canon lawyer, but more importantly, as a bishop, as a priest, uh, it seems so odd to me to speak about obligation when it comes to the Holy Eucharist. 
When we realize what Jesus has done for us on the cross and in his glorious resurrection, that he has redeemed us, and then in the Holy Mass, he makes that mystery of our redemption truly present, and he becomes present, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And remember, brothers and sisters, and this was so distressing some years ago when a poll done by Pew Research showed that that's an alarming number of those who identify as Catholics did not have a belief in the real presence of, of, of Jesus in the Eucharist. I think it was only a third correctly identified and believed the church's teaching on this. That's horrifying. That's shocking. That's, that's catastrophic to mm-hmm. me. So my brothers and sisters, we need to remember Jesus Christ. This is not a symbol. The, the bread and the wine that is transubstantiated at Mass and the consecration at Mass this is not just a symbol of Christ's body and blood. This is Jesus Christ, truly, substantially, really present, body, blood, soul, and divinity. The whole Christ is present, truly present, not symbolically, but truly present. Even we can say physically present, not in the way that he's present, he was present to his disciples when he walked the earth, but in a, in a in different way, physically present. How is he physically present? Because his body and blood are there, mm-hmm. hidden under the appearance of bread and wine. And so I, I go back to what I said. How can we speak of an obligation to come and receive so great a gift, the gift of God himself given to us in the Holy Eucharist. Now, the church does impose it as an obligation upon us because on the Lord's Day, the day of the Lord's resurrection, from the earliest days of the church, the Christians celebrated on the Lord's Day, the day of the resurrection, the first day of the week, the quote-unquote breaking of the bread, which was the the euphemism for, for the Eucharist in the early church. So from the very beginning, the disciples of Jesus gathered to celebrate the Holy Eucharist on the Lord's Day. And the church places this as an obligation on us because we have the Lord's command, it's of divine law, keep holy the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Now for the Jew, keeping holy the Sabbath was, was the, you know, the Saturday to be free from work and to, to dedicate the day to the Lord. Well, for the Christian, the, the Christian Sabbath, if you will, is Sunday, is the Lord's Day, is, is the day of the resurrection. And we cannot experience our life in Christ in isolation. We are meant to be the body of Christ. We are, we are to become what we receive in the Eucharist. We are to be built up as the body of Christ, bearing witness to Christ in the world. We need each other. The church has always been a communal uh, group of, of believers. We've never been meant to live our, our Catholic Christian life in isolation from one another. But from the very beginning, we come together around the altar to celebrate the mystery of our, our redemption in Christ. Uh, so it, to speak of this being an obligation and then dispensing from the obligation during COVID and now rescinding that dispensation and returning the obligation to attend Mass on Sundays and Holy Days— it seems, yes, legalistic to speak in these ways, and it is legalistic, but why don't we get be beyond that and past that and just look at the love, mm-hmm. look at the love that God is offering us, the love of his very life in the Eucharist. Why would we, 
Why would we even think of staying away? I think that's so true. And being in that cathedral at an ordination was such a powerful witness to me, Archbishop, of the love of God, no matter what's happening in our world, that he is present, that we can turn everything to him. Mm -hmm. And the priest is there to remind us of that physically. Mm -hmm. And in that moment of confession, in that moment of encountering the Holy Eucharist, that we remember he is with us Always, right until the end of until time. Until the end, he, that was it. That was it. That was his promise yeah. for sure. For and sure. And to come, you know, I, I say in the letter, uh, in the pastoral letter, uh, uh, the Church draws her life from the Eucharist, which I the phrase I take from Saint John Paul II's last uh, encyclical to the Church, his encyclical letter, Ecclesia de Eucharistia. Um, but in that letter, I, I reflect on it this way. Because I think we don't understand. Too many of us Catholics do not understand what happens at Mass. That we, and we've talked about this in program after program, and I just have to keep beating this drum because the message needs to, to be repeated. That, uh, you know, the repetition is, is the mother of learning, as we know. That in, in the Holy Eucharist, in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, we sacramentally and in an unbloody manner represent, make present again the once-for-all sacrifice that Jesus once offered on the altar of the cross. What do we mean by that? We mean that in the Mass, the mystery of Christ's sacrificial death for our salvation is made truly present. It's there because we have the same victim, Christ, present, truly present in the Eucharist, and the same priest offering the sacrifice. Jesus is both priest and victim on the cross, and the one who offers the sacrifice, but the sacrifice he offers is his own life. But in the Eucharist, in the Holy Mass, it's the same priest, Jesus Christ, offering himself now through the ministry of priests, in persona Christi, the priest ministers, offering the same victim, the sacrifice of the Lord's body and blood. It's the same sacrifice. Truly, truly, truly present. We're there. And so... Uh, the way I put it in the letter is, is, is this. If Jesus had invited you to the Last Supper, if he wanted you to be in the upper room when he gave the Eucharist to his, his apostles and gave the priesthood to the church at that moment, by the way, would you have turned him down? Would you have said, well, you know, I, I've got a soccer game that day, Lord, or I'm, I'm supposed to be out of town at, at, at a tournament, or I've got a trade show that I need to go to. Sorry, I'll catch you another time. Or if Jesus had said, you know, I really want you to be there with me at the foot of the cross. I want you to stand by my mother and by the beloved disciple and by the other women as I offer my life into the hands of my father for your salvation and redemption. And when my side is pierced with the lance and blood and water come forth, symbolizing baptism in the Eucharist, I want you to be there. I want you to witness this. I want you to experience this. Would we have even dreamed of saying, sorry, Lord, I've got a conflict that day. I can't be there. Um, I'm just too busy. Uh, wow. Or if Jesus had said, you know what? I want you to be there on Sunday morning at dawn. I want you to stand outside my tomb. And I want you to see the stone roll away. And I want you 
to witness me, risen from the dead, walk out of that tomb to bring salvation and eternal life to the world, having conquered death by my own death. I want you to be there. Would we have said, no, sorry, I, I can't be there that day. Can, can we, we schedule for another? Can I, can I take a rain check? <laughs> of course not. We wouldn't have said no to any of these invitations of our Lord. And yet, that is precisely what is happening at every Mass. We are present to the Paschal Mystery. Christ reveals and makes present his Paschal Mystery, his passion, suffering, death on the cross, and his resurrection are present at Mass. Not just, and I, I don't know how to emphasize to, the, to this to people because I don't think they grasp it. This isn't just a, a, a memory this isn't just a sentimental remembrance of what happened all those 2,000 years ago, like we remember a birthday, or we remember the anniversary of this or that. No. When we celebrate the Eucharist, it is a memorial in the sense that the mystery that we celebrate is made present to us. You know, when we celebrate, let's say, the anniversary of a wedding anniversary, all right, we celebrate the anniversary, and it's wonderful to celebrate it. It's a worthy thing to celebrate. But the wedding day doesn't become present to us again. We're remembering that day 25, 50, whatever, years ago, right? No, but when we remember at Mass, when we have the memorial of, of the Lord's Paschal Mystery in the, in the Holy Eucharist and the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, no, that that time that event is brought to us. It's truly present to us. We really do relive the moment in a sacramental, in an unbloody way. Jesus doesn't die again. He's died once for all, but that death is, is brought present to us in this moment. So we encounter mm-hmm. the Paschal mystery. We encounter the mystery of our salvation. We are touched by the mysteries of new life. We receive the Lord's body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, Jesus said, you have no life in you. But whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. My flesh is real food. My blood is real drink. These are the words of Jesus. How do we, how do we, how do we ignore that? How do we say no to that? I just, I don't know. I, I'm a priest. I realize that, and <laughs> uh, I, I'm passionate about this. But I don't, even as a layman, I, I can honestly say, in in my life, I have never missed a Sunday mass. I have never missed a Sunday mass. I remember <laughs> as a child being very late once. I must <laughs> confess, I was my parents were out of town, and I had to walk myself to church. And I must have really dawdled along the way to church because <laughs> I, I think I barely made it in in to church for time for communion. But uh, but I but so even as a layman, I, I had a, a sense of how important this was. Why would I, why would I absent myself? I, I, I just, I, it's beyond me, quite honestly, to understand why people absent themselves from the Eucharist. You know, maybe it's for other reasons. Maybe maybe they're mad at the church or they're mad at the bishops or they're disgusted with some of the scandals or they've had personal tragedies in their own life that they're dealing with. So there, there might be a, a number of reasons. But I don't want lack of faith and belief in the Eucharist and what's happening there to be one of those reasons. Yeah. And this can be such a beautiful time to come back 
And because so many people have been away for such a long period of time, to not let those distractions, to not let what's going on in the world get in the way of the most important relationship, and that is our relationship Mm -hmm. with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And what a beautiful time for us, like you say, to have joy in returning to the Holy Eucharist. It's time to come back, um, really. And I, I know, listen, this has been a very tough year on everybody. First, in so many levels, in so many ways, we needn't go into all of them. It's been a very hard year on the church. And I know it's been a very hard year on our people who have, you know, especially in the early days of the pandemic, <clears throat> you know, we're, we're not able to have access to the sacraments. I must say, as time went on, we got to a point a long, long time ago when anybody who wanted to get to Mass could get to Mass. So I was, I was a little bit puzzled why I kept getting letters or see things posting on Facebook of, of uh, not being able to get to Mass and being deprived of the Eucharist. I say, no, I mean, most of the churches are telling me they're not filling to capacity, you know, for, for Mass on Sunday. So I don't think, uh, you know, very few people were actually denied access because of the church's size, perhaps, and they had to sign up. But it's been tough. And I know many of the people are, quite honestly, not real happy with me, <laughs> to be honest, with some of the decisions that I had to make as we went through this this time together. Uh, yeah, I, I would, I'd honestly, I, I would see this, some mistakes I made along the way, and I would do things differently, perhaps, if I could go back and redo them. But we were act, reacting in real time mm-hmm. to an unknown reality that none of us had never lived through. Nobody trained me in the seminary how right. to shepherd the church through a pandemic. pandemic. Right. So we did the best we could. So whatever residual feelings of hurt or resentment that you might have or anger over over this last year, please let Jesus heal that, mm-hmm. set that aside. Come on, there's no point in holding on to this stuff. Jesus, the evil one wants you to hold on to it. The evil one wants us all to be mad at each other and divided from each other, especially you know if we can be mad at, at those who shepherd the church in Jesus' name. Uh, so it's time to come back. It's time to be the body of Christ again. It's time to be one again in the Most Holy Eucharist. Absolutely. Let's continue to engage. Let's continue to pray for our newly ordained priests this year and for all of our seminarians who have some wonderful experiences this summer. And we pray for the church to continue to grow. And as we continue to grow during the summer season, would you help us close with prayer, yes. Archbishop? And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon all of you, all of your families, your loved ones, and be with you this day and forever. Amen. Holy Mary, our hope, Mother of the Eucharist. Pray for us. St. Joseph. Pray for us. And thank you for listening to The Voice of the Shepherd on Matre Radio. We look forward to sharing with you again next week. For Archbishop Alexander Sample, I'm Dina Marie Hale. And until our next encounter, may you have a blessed week. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you.